Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? Wow, you guys are a lot more excited than that first service. You all won some bets yesterday, didn't you? Yeah? All right. No, I'll... <laughs> sorry. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, again, my name's Corey Burkhead. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, I'm just so thankful that you're here. Uh, I'm really excited about this morning. This morning, uh, the title of the, the message is Don't Quit. And this is really something that's been on my heart lately. This is something that I've really been wanting to share. And I think it's so important for every single one of us. I truly believe that God has you here for a reason this morning, that you are not here simply because you chose to, even though I'm thankful for that. But I believe that God has you here for a reason, because I believe that we are all struggling with quitting. And it's becoming, it's becoming more and more you know, apparent that, that we have people, not just in the church, but in the community, in our state, and in the world, I mean, where people are just quitting. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit, but today, my, my goal for you is to, you know what, to try and encourage you a little bit and give you some ways, give you some reasons, and help you not quit. Uh, did we have anybody run the Kentucky Derby Marathon last week? Anybody show of hands? Anybody? No? Awesome. Sweet. I'm not alone. <laughs> That's perfect. Because last, uh, actually, we had, we, I knew we had one guy in the church. Uh, his name's Garnet, and uh, Garnet ran the full Kentucky Derby Marathon. Right, and and that that was that was really awesome, uh, pretty crazy, but that's awesome. And I, I remember though, I remember though, I actually signed up for the mini marathon uh, a couple years back. I was uh, in college, you know, I was trying to fight everything uh, from gaining that freshman 15, right? So I'm like, I'm gonna sign up for anything that involves sweating. So uh, I had basketball classes, weightlifting classes, and I, I signed up for this uh, mini marathon. Uh, and I thought for sure, I was like, you know what, I can do this, you know, I'm athletic, you know, I play basketball, it's like, you know, running up and down the court, only you're going straight, and, uh, you know, <laughs> or in a circle, and I just remember, like, this, this can't be that hard, and I remember uh, I, I got all into it, like, I'm Googling how to diet, how to train, what to eat, okay, so I need to have oatmeal at this time, I need to have peanut butter and toast at this time, oh, so you drink coffee before you run, that sounds kind of gross, but I'll try it, you know, so, like, I'm, I'm like, getting all into it, uh, I'm logging my calories, everything. I even went out, and don't make fun of me, because I know some, some of you all did this too. I went, even went out and got those shoes with the toes in them. You know what I'm talking about? Someone just laughed at me. Don't laugh at me. Come on. I got the shoes with the toes in them, because they help your posture, and you run quicker, and, and, and supposedly that's what it was, but really it just took more money out of my wallet. But I remember, I remember I got those, and this is really embarrassing. I think I've thrown these away. These socks that are, you have to wear under those actually have toes in them too, so that was kind of weird. But anyway, so again, I, I, I'm just all out, right? Like I've, I can, I, I've got the look down. The running part was a little bit of a struggle, though. So I, I started out the first week, and man, I was booking it. I'd get out the front door, start my watch, and I'd just start running. Like, nothing was going to stop me. I, you know, occasionally I'd have, uh, I'd have uh, headphones. I'd listen to music. Sometimes I wouldn't, you know. But, like, I was just going nonstop around the, you know, around the neighborhood and everything, tracking, you know, my time, my speed, my pace, all that stuff, heart rate. And I was just so into it. And then it got a little harder, like, like because, I, you know, I had to start building up my endurance. I had to push myself a little bit further, you know, because, you know, that mini marathon, it's not just like, you know, a few miles. It's, it's a couple miles, you know. And, and so I'm trying to do this, and, and no joke, by like week two, I'm just kind of like walking around the block. Like, I'm just kind of like, these, these shoes are dumb. Like, you know, I'm just like walking around, and, and I'm just thinking about the Oreos that are at home. I'm thinking about that nice couch, the AC, and I'm just like, why did I do this? And I remember I signed up. I didn't run it. Like, you know, I just, <laughs> I didn't run it. I was like, you know what, forget it. 
uh, Cecil can run that on his own, you know, and I, like, I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to do this, and uh, anyways, I, I, just, I just remembered, though, at the time, I wasn't upset that I quit, but then shortly after, I was, if I'm being honest. I, I was upset because, you know, I, I hate being a quitter. I don't want to be a quitter, but, like, I just remember, like, looking back, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, oh, I'll, I'll do it next time, or I'll sign up next year, and that never happened, and I look back today, and I'm just like, man, I wish I hadn't quit, and now there, there are some things that we are facing that you might be facing that are a little bit bigger than just a little mini marathon. In fact, what you're facing is, is major. It's huge. And you are trying everything you can to not quit. And I don't want you to quit. God doesn't want you to quit. And that's why today, that's, that's why we're talking about this. Because I don't, and you don't, trust me, want to look back on regret with regret. You don't want to look back and think to myself, man, I wish I had tried a little bit harder in this area. I wish I had, you know what, changed up my mentality over here. I wish I had pushed a little harder. I wish I, you know what, could have tried a little bit of this or that or, or whatever. I don't want that to be you. I don't want any of us to ever look back and regret quitting. I don't want any of us to even quit. In fact, that's my goal today. Like, my goal is for us to, you know what, instead look forward to the future, look forward to, you know what, Finishing the race, finishing what it is that we set out to do, finishing whatever it is that God has placed on our heart. You know, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I set out to have an amazing marriage, to be a great spouse, but right now it's exhausting and, and things aren't the way that I thought they would be. And God's put it on my heart, you know what, don't quit, you know, I can, I can do this, or you know what, we'll, we'll go to counseling, we'll, we'll work this out. But to be honest, right now, you just want to quit, you're just tired of it. It's a year later, and it's the same thing again. Maybe it's with your kids, maybe, maybe you're just tired of your kids, you know what, you've, you've read the books, you've, you follow that blog online, you watch that lady, that mom on YouTube, and she talks about how to raise her kids and all that stuff, and you, you watch that, and you think, okay, I'm going to do that, I'm going to apply all these things, but then what happens is you do, and it's left you with your kids screaming and slamming the door, saying they hate you, and it's just a terrible place to be, and, and we're left thinking, Man, I, I, I got to quit, what I'm doing is not working, and you know what, I'm just going to quit because, you know what, they're just gonna, they're, my kids are just going to be like this. Maybe it's your job. Maybe, maybe you're a businessman or a businesswoman, and you know what? You, you set out to start a company. You set up, start out to have this kind of career, and you know what? It's turned into something that it's, it's no longer something you're passionate about. Instead, it's just a job that you've got to wake up to and go to every day. You're not passionate about it. It's not what you studied for in college, and, and you're left every morning waking up dreading work. You're coming home every day hating work, and you know what? It's infecting your household, your marriage, and, and, and you know what? All you want to do is just, just quit. My, my encouragement for you today is to not quit. What I've learned, though, are these two things, and I want to share them with you, okay? The first thing is, and this is really important, you're not alone. You're not alone with what it is that you're struggling with. You're not alone with what it is that you're facing. You're not alone with, with how you're feeling. It might seem like it, but you're not. You are not alone. And I think what happens is a lot of times when we're facing something, when we're, we're, when we're experiencing a challenge or resistance in our life somewhere, what happens is, is, is we become, we, we get into this little comparison game. We start comparing our lives to other people's lives based on what we see on social media, right? 
We see, like, we see how God's blessing them and not us, and we're trying so hard not to quit, but we're doing everything the right way, and we know people who don't know God or, or, or have never even set foot in the church or you know, been to the, the marriage series that we had here, and their marriage is just flourishing, though. Why is it that mine's not? Why is it that I'm not feeling blessed? Same thing with our jobs. Again, our kids, these other areas in our life. Why, you know, we start getting into this comparison game, and it's, it's a dangerous thing. And, and what happens is we, we get on social media and we think that, oh, everyone else is just so happy. Everyone else has just got it all together. But I want to let you know you're not alone. You're not the only one facing what it is that you're facing. In fact, the person that you're sitting next to who you think has it all together and they have the perfect life and the perfect kids and the perfect house and they have the perfect situation, guess what? They are facing the same things you are. And if not, they, they have. And so my encouragement for you to realize this is, is, or what I want you to realize is, is that you're not alone. Again, we, we get into this dangerous thing where we're just constantly comparing. You know, I talked about me running the mini marathon. And last week I, I get on Facebook, you know, and I quit, I quit on the mini marathon. I get on Facebook and Garnet Phelps, okay, he posted this picture. Let's see this real quick. Of him crossing the finish line for the full marathon, okay? What is that, like 26 miles or something like that? Like, like holy cow. And, and he has this Facebook post, all right? He has this Facebook post that says, I woke up this morning, really, only, I only signed up to do the mini, but be, you know what, just randomly decided to do the full. And because of sheer athletic ability, this is what he said, because of sheer athletic ability, I was able to do it. And I'm just like, really, dude? Like, okay, real cool. Like, you know, like, like did any, I don't know if anyone else saw that, but I just remember thinking, I'm a failure. Like, you know, <laughs> like I trained for two weeks. This guy woke up and decided to do the full, and you know what? I, I quit. Like, you know what? I, I'm never going to even purchase tennis shoes again. You know, it's just like, you know, and, and it can be so discouraging, you know. Not only that, but the guy came to church. I feel like he's like pointing me out. He came to church today wearing the same thing I did. <laughs> and he was here doing the first service. And he comes walking in, and he goes, nice shirt. Like, it was almost like sympathy. You look all right. Like, you know, and I'm just like, hey, hey, now, hang on, you know. His is fitted. Mine's large, but who cares? You know, I don't, whatever, whatever. And I, but, but we can get into this dangerous comparison game where, you know what, we think, oh, man, I'm just not good enough, or you know what, they, they just got it so easily, or they have it just so perfect. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Again, people face the same things that you do each and every day. You are not alone. The second thing I want you to know this, and this is more of a reminder than anything, life is hard. Life is hard. And some of you are kind of like, well, duh. But, but I think we need to be reminded that life is hard, and it's not made to be easy. It's not going to be easy. You're going to, you know what, there's going to come a day, yes, where we're all going to enter heaven, okay, hopefully. And, and here's the thing, like, you know what, we're going to go to heaven, and, but here's the no one's going to show up there without some battle wounds. No one's going to get there without some bruises, without some scars, without some, you know what, some, some stories to tell about how tough things were. Life is hard. Life is challenging. Life, life can throw unexpected things into our life that we never wanted to have happen. Jesus himself died on the cross for us. Life is hard. We all experience pain. And again, I think this is so important for us to realize because, again, you're not alone. But life is hard, and, and, and I, I feel like, you know what, sometimes we, we believe, in, and maybe this isn't you, but maybe it is, but like we have this mentality of like, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Life should be easier. My marriage should be fixed like that. Prayer should be simple. Reading the Bible should be like, duh. Like, I, like you know, and, and these things, like, right? Like, and not even, not even that, but like, you know what, just going to work, getting through the day, 
again, raising our kids, the dreams that we have, they should be easily accomplished. Life is hard. And I'm telling you all this because I believe that God has placed something on each of our hearts, each of us, that he wants us to, to accomplish, to do, to set, to set forth and, and, you know what, say, okay, this is what I'm going to do in my life. This is what's been placed on my heart by God. And you know what, I, I want to do it. I want to fulfill that. But we need to realize these things because, again, when, when we do this, when we set out to do what God has asked us, asked us to do or placed on our hearts, I think sometimes we think it's going to be an easy ride. Like, we're not going to have any bumps, that we're not going to trip up, that we're not going to fall, or at least that we're not supposed to. And that when we do, it's because, oh, we've done something wrong, or, or it's because I sinned the other day, or it's because of this, or, or whatever. But let me just tell you again, life is hard, and you're not alone with what it is that you're struggling with. And I think, again, we, we've got to realize this. We have to remind ourselves of this, because if we don't, if we don't, we will quit in a heartbeat. We will quit before we've even really started, before we've even set forth to try and accomplish this, we will quit. Just because in our minds right now, we're already talking ourselves out of it. Our marriage is too broken to be saved. We're too in debt to be ever, you know, debt-free. Dave Ramsey, that's the sort of thing will never work. I've, you know what, I've changed my major so many times, I'm just going to drop out of college because, you know what, there's nothing for me to do in life. That's not what God wants. That's not where God wants your story to end. And so today, again, my encouragement for you is to not quit. Don't quit. And we're going to look at somebody in the Bible who, like us, had, had something placed on his heart, and he set forth to do it, but then something unexpected happened. But the amazing thing about his story is he didn't quit, and we're going to look at his story, and he even tells us exactly how to not quit. And the person I'm talking about is Paul. Paul once opposed anyone who believed in Jesus, okay? And he put forth all of his time, all of his energy into doing evil things. But then something happened. God placed on his heart a different mission, a different vision, a different idea about life, about what to do. And Paul's heart was changed so much that he, began to be, he became a follower of Jesus, and he went on to become one of the greatest missionaries of all time. It was, it was his goal in life to share the gospel. It was, it was so much on his heart that he said this in Acts 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul, okay, Paul's heart, this was what was on it. This is what he set forth to do, to, to share the gospel, to spread the good news. And like Paul, I believe that God has placed something on all of our hearts something that we are just so passionate about or something that, you know, was once dear to us. But maybe today we're just so tired of being hurt by this. We're so tired of going through the same struggle every season. We just are ready to quit. We're done trying because it's not working. We've listened to the pastor preach, but it's, it's and we're applying it, but it's, it's not working. We've, we've listened to podcasts. We've read books, but it's not working. Why isn't this, this struggle, this, this issue that I'm facing becoming any easier? Paul went through the same exact thing. In fact, for 26 years, Paul would go on to, you know what, share the gospel, to travel from place to place. He would go to places and preach for hours, 
hours just trying, because he just, it was so important to him that others knew who Jesus was. It was so important to Paul that people knew who Jesus was, what Jesus was about, what he came to do, what he died for, how he resurrected, why he resurrected. It was so important for him to know all this, but then again, something unexpected happened, and we're going to read this in Acts 21, verses uh, 26 through 36. It says this, so Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him. This whole time, Paul has been doing exactly what God has placed on his heart. This whole time, God has been, God, Paul has been obeying God. This whole time, Paul has been doing everything that God has asked him to do. He's obeyed, he's honored God, he's been obedient, and, 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 and now he finds himself in this situation, being dragged out of the temple with the door shut behind him and people chanting, kill him, kill him. Some of us, I mean, hopefully this doesn't happen to you. It won't happen here. But some of us, some of us are at a place like that right now where we feel like, you know what, we're being dragged around, where the doors are being shut, where the very people that we try to help, maybe it's relationships that you're struggling with, where, where people are turning on us. Or you know what, we're, we're just so exhausted. You know what, we've had people come to us and, and we've poured into them or, you know, we've had family members ask us, you know, you know, to help them or whatever, but whatever it is that we're trying to do to help others, maybe they turned on you, and you're, you're tired of it, and you just want to quit. Maybe you've been, you, maybe you're just so exhausted of putting forth all your energy and all your time into work just for your bosses to not really appreciate anything that you do, and it just seems like every day when you leave the building and the door shut behind you, they don't really care that you're gone, or if you ever come back. Maybe it feels that way at home. Paul had been doing what God had called him to do for so long. I cannot imagine being in this situation with him. I can't imagine being in Paul's shoes right now. I want us to be honest for a second. If you were Paul, and you were dragged out, and people were screaming, kill him, kill him, kill you, would you quit? Would you quit doing what it is that God had placed on your heart? Would you be quiet? Would you do what others have told you to do? Would you silence yourself? Would you stop obeying God? 
would you quit? A lot of us want to say no, but the truth is, is that with the very issue that we're facing today, we're wanting to quit in that. Again, don't quit. Paul, it's so amazing to hear his story, but, but here's the thing. He didn't quit. Paul actually would eventually end up in prison, and while in prison, he would continue to write letters to, to friends, to towns, to other disciples saying, listen, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Listen, this is what followers of Jesus are supposed to do. Listen, if you're not a believer in Jesus, here's an amazing story. Hey, listen, this is how pastors and deacons and elders should be selected and what they should do in the church. Paul would go on to just, he wouldn't quit. Even when he's locked up in prison, he wouldn't quit. And what worries me is we live in a world, though, where, where quitting is just becoming the norm. We live in a world where people are quitting every day. Students are quitting on school because they think that they're not smart enough. We live in a world where people are, are quitting on, on their dreams because, you know what, it's not happening as easy as they had hoped. Addicts are, are giving up on fighting this addiction because, you know what, it's not as easy to fight as they had hoped it would be. We live in a world where people are quitting each and every day. But here's the thing, and this is what worries me most, is we've got people that are quitting on God because, again, we gave our life to Him. We put our marriage in his hands. We put our, our life, our circumstances in his hands. And we're still in this, this tough spot. Life has not gotten any easier. And in fact, it's gotten harder. And it's terrifying us so much so that, you know what, we're just, we're just ready to quit. Paul would be locked up in prison and, and you know, he, he would again continue to write all these letters and he didn't quit. And in writing his letters, one of the people he wrote to was a guy named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to him. And this whole book, he's been telling Timothy, like, again, just words of encouragement. Listen, this is what you need to do, or this is what the church needs to be like. And, and he's just, he's continuing on this mission. He's continuing on this, on this path of what God had laid on his heart. He's sharing the gospel. He's sharing all these things. But then in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, for the first time, does he really acknowledge, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm expecting. And, and, and Paul would even acknowledge that, listen, I'm not going to get out of this prison. In fact, I'm probably going to die here. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, in verse 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Some of us, we feel like we're in a prison. We feel like we're trapped. We feel like there's no way to get out. Each and every day, we feel like we're just staring at the same four walls that we, that we can't escape from, and they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and it's terrifying us, and we can't stand it, and we feel like the only way to get out is to quit. Paul right here, he says this, and he's writing to Timothy, but I, I like to think of it that he's writing to us. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation, in what you're dealing with, in what you're facing. Keep a clear mind. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of suffering. Don't be afraid of the pain. Don't be afraid of being stuck in the situation that you're in. Instead, he says to him, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. I believe Paul is telling us, listen, fully carry out what God has placed on your heart. Finish the race. Don't quit. Don't give up before you've even started. You've started. You've been trying for years. Try a little more. Come on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't do it. Don't fall into that. In verse 6, he says, as for me, 
my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Paul is saying, I've, I've given my all. I've, I've put forth everything I can. I poured all my, my blood, sweat, and tears into this. And listen, he goes on to say, the time of my death is near. He knows it's coming up. He knows he's about to be executed. He knows the end of his life is near, but he's poured out everything he can. In verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul knew that his life was coming to an end, but yet that did not stop, stop him from writing the letters that, you know, to, to, to further the gospel, these letters to you know, what help grow the church. It didn't stop him from doing, again, what God had called, what God had placed on his heart. And I believe that so many of us, again, we've got something on our hearts that God has asked us to do, but it's, we feel like you know, that we're the only ones struggling, or we feel like we're alone in this, or we feel like you know what, it was supposed to be easy. And for whatever reason, it's not. And in fact, unexpected things have happened. Things that we never could have imagined are occurring, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And Paul is saying, listen, I've, th- I've been there. Again, I-, I know my death is near, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Pastor Jason has preached to us over and over again that when we get to heaven, the one thing that we're going to be judged on is whether or not we were faithful. That's what, that's what we're going to get judged on. Were you faithful? And Paul is saying here, listen, I've remained faithful. Even though I know my execution is, al- is almost here, I've remained faithful, and I've not quit, and I won't quit. Wouldn't it be great if we could all have this kind of courage? If we could all have this kind of strength to be so faithful and so confident that even in the time where it seems like everything is about to you know, come crushing down, even when it seems like, you know what, our marriage is probably going to be over with, even though our spouse, we didn't know, is filing for divorce, and they just told us, and we got to go see the lawyer next week, even though that's just around the corner, Paul is saying, listen, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't do that. But wouldn't it be great if we could have the courage that he does? You know, I, I read that and I think to myself, okay, how did Paul keep going? How did he not quit? And in Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, this, this is my favorite part of the Bible, my favorite verses right here. Right? He says this. He tells us the answer. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Paul right here has given us the secret to not quitting. This is how you don't quit. You, you, you've got to see this scripture, and this is so important. I hope, you know what, take a picture of it while it's up there. You know what, write it down in your notes or something, but put it somewhere. When you, you know what, have this scripture at work or on your mirror in the morning, wherever you get ready. Have it there because here's the thing. This scripture right here is what tells us how to not quit, and if we want to finish the race and achieve what God has put on our hearts, we have to do these three things. The first thing is this. We've got to rejoice in our sufferings. 
What does that mean to rejoice in our sufferings? I'm not saying that, you know what, if you're getting fired tomorrow, you need to walk around like, oh, man, I'm about to get fired, but hey, who cares, right? It's a good day. Like, you know, I'm not that, because if you do that, that's just weird. That's just crazy, okay? Like, you don't need to walk around and be like, oh, my house caught on fire, but hey, it's all right. Like, you know, like, that, that's not it, okay? Anybody can fake it. Anybody can pretend like things are okay. But what Paul is saying, as followers of Christ, as believers, we need to rejoice in our sufferings because here's the thing. When we rejoice in our sufferings, what we're saying is, oh, not, not everything's okay, but we're rejoicing in our sufferings because we believe that our sufferings are going to lead to something greater. We believe that we're not suffering for just no reason, but that there's a reason for our suffering and that it's going to lead to us growing. We believe that our suffering will lead to something greater. We believe that it's going to make us stronger. That's what it means when it says rejoice in your sufferings. The second thing we have to do is we have to persevere in times of difficulty. Persevere in times of difficulty. To persevere in times of difficulty means to withstand pressure. Naturally, when we're under pressure, we want to escape. Nobody likes it. No, no one enjoys that feeling. And so naturally what we would want to do is we want to quit. But here's the thing. When we persevere in times of difficulty, what happens is we, we discover some things. We learn who we are. We learn where our faith is. We learn, okay, you know, how strong we really are. We, we learn what we can handle. I can't tell you how many times where I've persevered in, in, in a situation that I didn't think I was going to escape or I didn't think I was going to be able to get out of it or survive it. And then it's like two weeks or a month goes by and I'm faced with something else and I realize to myself, you know what, this issue right here, it might be a little bit bigger than the last one, but I know based on last time, I'm going to get through this. I know based on last time that I'm going, to, I'm going to see the finish line. I know based on this that God's got my back, that he's going to come through. And what happens is we become someone else. We become someone, we become those people that we see all the time going through something, but they're just, again, there's something about them where they're just confident. Their head is held high and they're able to walk around fully believing that, you know what, it'll be okay. And it's a real, it's a true belief. And you can have that too, but we've got to persevere in times of difficulty. We've got to believe that we can face it, that God is going to come through. Here's the thing, and the third and final one is this. We've got to hold on to hope. We've got to hold on to hope. Paul tells us that hope does not disappoint us. Not that it might get you through it or that, you know what, you might be able to you know what, get, get, get by, but it says that hope does not disappoint us. Or as the King James Version says, and I love this, hope does not make us ashamed. Hope does not make us ashamed. Maybe you had a derby party the other day. I'm just curious, like, did anybody, like, invite someone and they were supposed to bring, like, the napkins, the silverware, the food, or something like that, and they didn't show? Like, how many times have we done that? Or, you know, maybe it's something even bigger. Maybe you trusted somebody with something. And you know what? What happened was is what you learned in the end is that you can't trust them and it left you feeling ashamed almost. Like, I was ashamed that I trusted them with this situation. I'm ashamed that I confided in them. I'm ashamed that, you know what, I, I, I put all my faith or trust in them to help me get through this situation, whether it was maybe a friend or a family member. What the Bible tells us that, listen, with God, you'll never have to experience that. With God, you'll never say, oh, man, I'm so ashamed that I, I put all my trust in him. I'm so ashamed that, you know what, I, I did what he's told me to do financially or what to do with my marriage. I'm, you will never face that. You will never have to say that you were ashamed. Hope does not make us ashamed. Hope does not disappoint us. And, he, and, I, 
I want us to realize that because, again, there is something that God has just for you to do, not for anyone else. He wants you to do this because there's no one else who can. And God wants you, God wants you to not quit. He wants you to fight this, this battle that you're facing. Paul, in the end, was able to stand proud. He was executed, but he was able to stand proud knowing that he fought the good fight, that he finished the race, that he remained faithful. And my, my dream, my goal in life is to be able to say I did that with anything and everything that I ever faced. I want to be able to stand proud and be able to say that, you know what, I was faithful, that I didn't quit, that I didn't try it this way, but instead I kept trying it God's way. And that's what I think God wants for all of us. Can you imagine being able to say that? Can you imagine being able to get through whatever it is you're facing right now, and at the end, you're able to tell all your friends, the ones that told you that, you know what, you're doing it the wrong way, or that you're going about it the wrong way, or you need to stop doing this whole church, church thing. Can you imagine being able to share with them, whether on Facebook or whatever, that, you know what, that God's way did work, that quitting never became an option. Quitting, you know what, you didn't even take that route. Instead, you fought the good fight, that you remained faithful God wants to see you fight this. God wants to see you succeed. But in order for us to reach that finish line, we have to not quit. In closing, I want to share with you this story of a woman named Rebecca Gregory. Rebecca uh, was at the Boston bombing two years ago in 2013. And she wasn't even a runner. She was just there to uh, see a friend run, or a, a friend's mom run. And she was on Boyston Street where the two bombs went off. And when she was there, what happened was is, uh, she didn't lose anything, but her, her leg got so injured that, you know, it had to have a lot of surgeries, a lot of repair done. And what happened was, you know, for two years, they kept trying to, to save her leg until finally this past November, she had to have it amputated. And over the past two years, she's lost her leg. She lost her husband. And just this past March, she was finally able to to run in this race. And she had set out to, to try and run this whole race. I mean, I want you to think about this. She just had her surgery. She just lost her leg in November. She had to learn how to walk all over again. And so she was hoping by March that she could run this race. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to. She was only able to run towards uh, the end of it. But after the race, she posted this on Facebook. She said, and while that is what I originally set out to do to run the full race, I was only able to go in at the 23-mile mark her doctor's orders earlier in the week. Because even with as hard as I've worked and as much as I have trained, my leg is still not healed enough to endure the beating of the full marathon since I only had my amputation in November. So I had to make the tough decision to compromise and only try to run 3.2 miles. And believe me, it was tough because I was totally bummed about it. So we came up with the three miles because each one symbolizes a month of learning to walk on my prosthetic. And yesterday, everything was working against me. The rain alone caused other injuries I have to flare up, and my leg was so swollen and excruciating pain as a result. About halfway through, I hit a small pothole with my running blade. It wasn't enough to make me fall, but it was enough to make my knee twist pretty hard and be escorted in a cop car up the road another half mile. I honestly have just had way more successful runs, but that's life, right? And when I put everything into perspective, for me, it wasn't about how many miles I could run. It was that I could run. Six months ago, I couldn't even walk. 
And while I worked as hard as I could to prepare for the entire thing, the most important mile to me was Boyston Street. That moment when I got to run past the place where I nearly lost everything and not stop until I made it across the finish line. That is the single reason why I was so overcome with emotion when I fell down to my knees at the end. Because to me, by doing that, I was reclaiming my life. I was showing myself that I am not destroyed. And even though I am not up to 26.2 miles quite yet, what I am is stronger. And there won't be a day that goes by that I don't try to show that. Because no matter what, I am also very blessed. And yesterday was only the beginning of many, many more miles. I think about what this woman has been through, and I think about the challenge that she had faced and the courage to even, even though she could have said, you know what, it's not my time to, even though she could have said, I'm not ready, even though she could have made tons of excuses, she didn't. Instead, she did what was placed on her heart, what was, what was weighing on her so much, she just wanted to get back into that race, and she wanted to be able to finish it. She hit some potholes, but that didn't stop her. And as she said, she was able to reclaim her life that day. And today, I want to let you know that you can do that too. That you know what? You, yes, you've hit some bumps in the road. Yes, you've ended up in a place that you never thought you would be. You've lost things that you never thought you would lose. But today is the day that you can reclaim your life. It feels like things have been out of control. It feels like, you know what, that you haven't had any choices or any decisions. But guess what? Today you can make the choice to not quit. Let's pray.